0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. We're going to get started with with our sermon today, looking at God's Word. And please join me in prayer once again. Let's uh, ask God to be the one guiding us, the one teaching us today. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this evening that we can be gathered together in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you that your son, Jesus, rose from the dead. We thank you that we have a living hope through his resurrection. We thank you that we have a new life because we have been risen with Christ. We have been given a new life. And we also have a hope that we have an eternal, imperishable inheritance in you, Lord. I pray that you would teach us today. You would guide us. You would lead us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, would soften our hearts, and that we would be transformed and convicted by your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, uh, please open your Bibles to First Peter. First Peter one. Peter 1. Uh, it's I don't know what page it is on the pew Bibles, but it is towards the very end of your Bible. Um, it's right before Second Peter. <laughs> That's not very helpful at all. Uh, it's right after James. Um, so Peter, I, I love the first letter that Peter wrote in fact i'm I've been talking to Jordan about the possibility of eventually preaching through it. That's partly why uh, Jordan read it last week. Um, one of the things I really love about first Peter is that he is writing to believers who are in exile. He is writing to believers who are not living in their in their land, in their their hometown, per se, they have been driven away from their original place. They have been driven away because of persecution. And one of the things that they were experiencing, even in their new locations, they were still experiencing persecution. They were experiencing opposition. uh, The fact that they believe that there is only one God the fact that they believe that Jesus is Lord and that he alone should worship, should be worshiped, not, not Caesar or, or any of the other gods, but Jesus is Lord. This made them be under persecution. The people around them, uh, a, a lot of them hated them. A lot of them didn't like them. A lot of them mocked them. And so one of the reasons why I really, really love this is because we ourselves are exiles. Right? We ourselves are not living in our final home, right? This, this earth, this world is not our final home. We are still exiles. Another reason why I love it is because even though we are not necessarily experiencing the type of persecution that Christians throughout history and in other countries have experienced, we definitely live in a society that is hostile to Christianity. We live in a society where declaring that Jesus is Lord is frowned upon or mocked or, or, you know, we are made fun of for believing in God and for believing in Jesus. And, you know, again, I, throughout history, we, we're we not even close here in the U.S. Uh, in terms of how many believers have suffered, how many Christian or how Christians have suffered throughout history, right? We can think of, the times when they were used as human torches or when they were thrown to the, to the lions, to the wild beasts, uh, or when they were shunned or, or killed or imprisoned, right? And we're not there yet by the grace of God. But I think we can identify with this letter here. We can identify with the believers that Peter is writing to and that he is writing to the exiles. And we are the exiles. We are those who still are not, who are not home yet. Um, so, you know, one of the, (laughs) as I mentioned, one of the reasons, uh, Christians in, in this letter and throughout history have been persecuted is because they worship God. Christians insist that God alone is to be worshiped. Christians insist that Jesus is Lord, right? That nobody else that not Caesar, not the government, not money, not any other God, but only Jesus is Lord and he is to be worshiped. And so, my question is you know, the question for us to reflect a little bit on is why were Christians throughout history and even today, why are Christians willing to be mocked, shunned, ridiculed, persecuted, imprisoned, and even killed for the sake of the name of Jesus? Why would someone be willing to go to the extent that the disciples went to for the name of Jesus, right? Especially, well, I would say the answer to that is I would say it is because of the hope of the resurrection. It is because of the living hope of the resurrection. The reason why Christians have been able to endure all of this persecution and suffering and all of these things is because of the resurrection of Jesus. It is because Christians have the certainty that Jesus rose from the dead and therefore we will be raised from the dead. And that gives us boldness and, and courage to endure all sorts of things. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, he's, you know, he's speculating. He's, he's, or not, I shouldn't say he, he is not speculating, but he is answering to believe, or sorry, to people who are saying that the resurrection is not real, that the resurrection doesn't exist. And so he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Right? If, if the resurrection of Jesus is not real, then we are, we are to be pitied. Crazy. The disciples were crazy, right? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we might as well just give up now. We might as well just quit and go on with our lives. But because the disciples were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus, along with 500 more people, then they were willing to be imprisoned. They were willing to be exiled. They were willing to be crucified upside down. They were willing to be uh, burned alive. They were willing to be martyred because they had the certain assurance that Jesus rose from the dead. And so Peter is encouraging these believers here to endure the sufferings that they are suffering, that they're experiencing. And the same argument that he gives them is the hope, the living hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus. So let's read first Peter one, uh, verse three and four, blessed be the God and father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So Peter here begins this exhortation to the Christians by telling them. But well, not telling them, but ultimately by speaking to, to God or worshiping God and saying, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so why should God be worshiped? Right. Especially for these Christians that are going through persecution, through suffering, through trials, why should God be worshiped? And so Peter here tells them it is because of the living hope that we have. It is because of the living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus. So what is this living hope that he's talking about? Well, let me, let me talk a little bit about this uh, living hope that Christians have had throughout history. The living hope that we have is that we are alive in Christ. We have a new life in Christ that even after we die, even after we experience physical death, we will be resurrected. Just as Jesus was resurrected, our living hope is that when Jesus was resurrected, uh, he, we were we let me let me say that again. Our, our living hope is that when Jesus was resurrected, he put death to death. When Jesus was resurrected, he overcame death. He killed death itself. and because he did that, he triumphed over it. And when he appears, when he returns, he will destroy death forever. Death will exist no more. Our living hope is that through the resurrection of Jesus, even though right now we may suffer or we are persecuted or mocked, even though we are sick, even though we, uh, we see sorrow and pain, experience sorrow and pain, even though we die, when our Savior Jesus Christ appears, we will be raised from the dead. To live in the presence of our God for eternity. That is our living hope. That is why we can praise God because we have this living hope. And this hope is not this, you know, weak expectation that maybe something will happen. This is a certain assurance that just as Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected with him. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-one. he says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also with Christ shall all be made alive. So he's comparing Jesus and Adam, right? Adam was the first man that was created. And when Adam sinned, all of humanity died, spiritually died and physically as well. And then he's saying, but Jesus, who is the second Adam, Jesus, who is this this new man, he has brought resurrection and everyone who is in Christ has life in him. He also writes, Paul also writes to the Romans in Romans 6 and he says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the living hope that we have, that we are dead to sin and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul also, not Paul, Peter. Peter also refers to this uh, living hope as an inheritance that we have received. So if you look at 1 Peter 1 verse 4, he says, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Have you ever received an inheritance? I haven't. Uh, Now, you know, I, I have never received an inheritance, so I don't know what it feels. But that, you know, as I was just thinking about it, I was thinking: as nice as it sounds, getting a big chunk of money or property or whatever it is that you receive, the problem with inheritances is, is that it means that someone has died, right? It means that there has been some sort of loss. Now, another problem with inheritances is, is that they don't last long. Right, You can buy nice things, you can invest it, you can buy property, you can do a bunch of different things with it, but they don't really last that long. I mean, they, who knows, right? Maybe you inherited a lot of money and you, you invested it really wisely, but eventually it's going to go away. You, it might last you all of your earthly life, but it's going to go away or you're just going to inherit it to someone else, right? Someone else is going to have it. Now, with the the with the way our economy is doing these days, maybe it's just not going to last at all, right? You're gonna you're gonna use it up in in uh, in a dozen of eggs. It's gonna be it's gonna be all lost. Another another problem with with our you know inheritance is that we know is that unfortunately, oftentimes when families are divided, uh, siblings or or family members can vi- can get very nasty when it comes to dividing the estate of the deceased person, right? And so, again, it would be really nice to receive an inheritance. I'm not necessarily expecting one. My parents are not rich or anything like that, but there are downfalls to it. But here, Peter is not talking about an earthly inheritance, right? He's not talking about an inheritance that will eventually fade out or will run out or that siblings are going to fight over. He is talking about a heavenly inheritance inheritance that is eternal, something that cannot be taken away from us. And he's saying, you know, going back to this idea of blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He is saying one of the reasons why we worship God is because he has given us an inheritance and this inheritance, he describes it with three words. He says it is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. It is imperishable because it will never end. It will never run out. It cannot be destroyed. No one can take it away from you. Greedy siblings cannot take, they cannot take you to court for it. It doesn't end. It is eternal, right? The inheritance that we have been promised by God is an inheritance that we will have for eternity. He also says, it is undefiled. It cannot be polluted. It cannot be corrupted by sin or death. The inheritance that Christians have from God is pure from all sin and corruption. There's no way that you can spoil this inheritance, right? Because it is undefiled. When we receive this inheritance, there's no way that we will be able to spoil it, right? Because it is perfect. It is from God and given to us. And then it's also unfading. Unlike everything that is beautiful on this earth, this inheritance doesn't fade. Right later, later Peter is talking about uh, is talking about our faith being tested in verse seven. He says, "So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." So even gold, which is Incredibly precious and beautiful, even gold perishes. But this inheritance that we have from God is unfading. It will never perish. So what is this inheritance that we have? What is this inheritance that we worship God for? Well, this inheritance is eternal life with God, with our Creator, with Jesus, our Savior. It is physical life in a physical new heaven and new earth. In the, in the presence of God with our resurrected bodies. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, because of, I don't know, TV or memes or whatever. I think that, all, that a lot of us, when we think of uh, being in our, in the presence of God or being, you know, receiving, uh, well, I guess a lot of us, when we think of heaven, we think of little babies playing harps and bouncing around on clouds, right? And so many of us would say, man, if that is heaven, I don't want to go there. That sounds kind of boring, right? That sounds lame. Uh, But that is absolutely not what heaven or this inheritance is like. This inheritance that has been promised to us is a new heaven and a new earth. This inheritance that we have been promised is a physical inheritance. If this world is so complex and so intricate and so beautiful and so immense, just imagine how much more incredible and beautiful and immense and intricate and complex the new heaven and the new earth will be. We will never be bored there because we're, we will have eternity to explore this new creation that God has made for us. And best of all, we will be in the presence of God. We can ask him questions. We can talk to him. We can see him face to face because of the work of his son, Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is the inheritance that we have. And so the encouragement here is that even though right now we might be experiencing persecution, even though right now people might be mocking us, even though right now believing in God is not the fanciest thing out there, even though right now we experience illness, difficulties, suffering, and even death. Our hope is that we have been promised an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So if this inheritance is so good, right? If this is as good as as I'm making it sound, or not really me, but if this is as good as Peter is making it sound, how do we get in on it? How do we receive this inheritance? Well, you you may have noticed that I skipped a couple of lines in verse 3. So let's go back to verse 3 where Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Basically, what Peter is saying here is that if we want to receive this inheritance. If we want to have this living hope, it is necessary that we are born again. Have you heard that phrase before? I'm sure you have. It's a very com- it's a very popular common phrase amongst Christians, right? Are you a are you a born again believer? Have you been born again? And now maybe, you know, some of you may think this was probably something that was made up by I don't know, Christianity in the south or whatever, I don't know, but here's the thing, Jesus is actually the one that talked about this new birth. Jesus is the one that said it, that we need to be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. In, in John 3, it was uh, early in the ministry of Jesus, there was a, a man that came to Jesus. His name was Nic- Nicodemus. Nicodemus and he he was not so sure about jesus in fact it, he came at night to see him and and a lot of people argue that the fact that he came at night is because he probably didn't want others to see him coming to jesus so he was curious about jesus he he kind of knew or or you know he thought that jesus was from god but he was not fully there now one one you know parenthesis as i was reading the resurrection account this morning in john it is really great to see that Nicodemus is one of the ones along with Joseph of Arimathea that brings Jesus to be buried. And so we know that he is no longer a a secret believer in Jesus, but he was truly transformed. He was born again. And so, you know, he is coming to Jesus and he asks him like, Hey, what's going on? Are you from God or or what's happening? Tell me more about yourself. And so Jesus' response to him is, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling this man, if you want to have a living hope, if you want to have an inheritance that is incorruptible, unfading, if you want to have an inheritance in the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. A person in their natural estate cannot inherit the kingdom of God. To continue to quote Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I tell you this brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want to have this living hope, if you want to have this inheritance, a supernatural act of God has to happen first. You are not capable of getting yourself into God's kingdom. You are not capable of earning this inheritance, right? None of us is able to say, look, God, I've, I've lived a very moral life. I've done the best I could in every situation that you've put me in. And I've tried to obey, you know, the 10 commandments as much as I can. And I've tried to go to church as many times as I can. And I, I even got baptized and I've done this and this and that. And therefore God, you should give me that inheritance, right? That, that's approaching it completely wrong. Peter says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. We cannot cause ourselves to be born again, right? Just like your your first birth, where you didn't have anything to do in, in it, you didn't cause it to happen, it has to be the same way in this new birth. You cannot cause yourself to be born again. God is the one who has to cause you to be born again. And so, I think the follow-up question to that is, well, if there's nothing I can do about it, if, if, if I cannot cause myself to be born again, then what should I do? How do I get this inheritance? Well, look at this phrase again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then listen, according to his great mercy. So yes, we require a miracle. We require a supernatural act of God to cause us to be born again. And yes, there is nothing that we can do to earn this salvation. But there is one hope that we have that God is merciful, that God is rich in mercy. This is the gospel, right? Gospel means good news. The really good news is that God is merciful in Ephesians two verse four, Paul is talking about how we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And this is what he says about God. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because God is so merciful, because God is so good, because He is so full of grace, He sent his son Jesus, to die on the cross. To forgive us from our sins. Because God is so merciful and he knew that we could not save ourselves. He had to intervene and send his son Jesus who lived a perfect life of obedience and who died on the cross for all the sins that he had not committed. And he died in our place So that everyone who who comes to him in repentance, seeking his mercy, in humility, seeking forgiveness, would be saved, would receive this inheritance. So in other words, what can you do to receive this inheritance? You have to entrust yourself to the mercy of God. You have to ask God to cause you to be born again. You have to acknowledge that there is absolutely nothing that you can do to save yourself and fully entrust yourself to the grace and mercy of God. That's what the thief on the cross did, right? There was absolutely nothing he could have done to earn favor before God. There's absolutely nothing he could have done. He could have never you know, gotten baptized or go to church, right? There, there is a, uh, a video that I watched. I I won't try to, you know, retell you the whole thing, but if you have time, you should look up Alistair Begg on the thief on the cross It's a short clip. And, and these are some of the things, you know, these, I, I love the way he put it, but you know, basically he's like, Hey, when this guy gets, you know, got to heaven the angel that you know obviously we know that that's not high work but you know that he's kind of telling a hypothetical situation the angel is going to be like all right so why are you here and the thief is like i don't know okay. well are you what do you think about the doctrine of justification by faith alone never heard of it in my life and then basically you know the the in the story The angel asked him, so, all right, on what basis should I let you in? And he says, the man in the middle cross told me I could come. And that's how we are saved. Not by anything that we've done. Not by our good works, our good efforts. Not by our strength. But because the man in the middle cross said we could come. And this is why Christians are willing to suffer anything, give up everything for the sake of Christ, because we serve a merciful God who has made it possible for us to inherit his kingdom and live with him forever. And even if we die physically here on earth, because Jesus Christ is alive, we have the living hope that we will be resurrected on the last day to receive our inheritance. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that gave his life to save us. Lord Jesus, please remember us when you come into your kingdom. God, in your mercy. Please give us that inheritance that you have promised. Thank you, God, for the work of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.